1: join us go to gigantic.is that's gigantic.is and save your seat for our january cohort your potential is gigantic and we're here to help you reach it go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today free the day is april 24th 1849 and the New York Knickerbockers Baseball Club have just stepped out onto the field. It's a spring day, the sun is beating down, and they're getting ready for their first game of the season.
0: Take me out to the boarding. take me out with the crowd.
1: And this was significant because they had just adopted an official uniform blue woolen pantaloons white flannel shirts and chip straw hats now this was a significant event not because the Knickerbockers were the premier team at the time but because this was the start of a new product a new market and over the next 150 years this would become a $2.1 billion market. But on this day in 1849, the New York Knickerbockers simply wore a straw cap because they were respectable men. This was more for style than function. This was a social gathering and a reason for people to come out from the community and get together. Now we're going to follow the history of this baseball cap for a little bit and take a look at its evolution and see what we can learn from a market perspective and from a product perspective and what can we take back from that into our own companies. So stay tuned. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Podcast where we explore startups from funding to growth, from culture to sales, and everything in between. I'm Michael Saka.
2: And I'm Joelle Goldman.
1: Welcome to our latest series all about products building product, managing the building of product from the CEO's perspective to the project manager's perspective.
2: We're going to hear from everybody. We've got product managers from eBay. We have product managers from startups. We have startup CEOs who've grown out of the role and need to hire or hand it off. So we're going to hear about it from all different angles. And we're going to take the next five weeks and really answer the question, what does a product manager really do?
0: is you take the specifications from the customers and you bring them down to the software engineers. Yes, yes, that's that's right.
2: Well, then I just have to ask, why couldn't the customers just take them directly to the the software people? Well, uh,
0: I'll tell you why.
1: And that we will. So that and more coming up. So make sure you subscribe. Let's get back to the history of the baseball cap. know that the New York Knickerbockers debuted the hat and introduced the hat as part of the baseball uniform. But it wasn't until 11 years later when the Brooklyn Excelsiors would bring the flair of the modern baseball cap to the uniform. They were the first team to wear what we know today as the baseball cap, the round brim six panel hat with the curved brim to keep out the sun. This was the first time it was introduced on the ball field.
2: Typically at this time, teams would play in their local areas. So New York City teams would play New York City teams. Albany teams would play Albany teams. But this is the first year that baseball teams really traveled around to play teams from other areas.
1: Now the Brooklyn Excelsiors were the best of the best. The teams around New York looked up to them. And the legend of their talent and their skill traveled far. So when they went on their first road trip to play the other teams in Albany and Troy and Buffalo and Rochester, they won handily. Some of the scores, 50 to 19, 59 to 14. These scores are unheard of in modern baseball, but the Excelsior's were that good. And they also brought the flair of their uniform and the baseball cap to all of these other organizations who looked up to them. And the style traveled fast. Within the next couple years, we see teams in Chicago and Boston and Philly wearing the same style round baseball cap. And what you also see at this time is now a logo being sewn into the cap. Now, today we take this concept for granted, but this is actually a big step for the baseball cap and its ability to transcend into our popular culture. Now, the hats were, were largely produced locally by the same people who were producing their uniforms or maybe a local hat maker. And one of those makers was Erhard Koch. He was a German immigrant, and he specialized in fashionable caps that were worn by the wealthy. He started his company in 1920, and by 1932, he saw a decline. The fashion world was changing and people were no longer wearing these very elegant hats. But Mr. Koch was a hat maker. And so what does a good entrepreneur do? They look for opportunity where others maybe aren't. And there was a hat market that was growing and he had a unique advantage to enter it. First inning two on base, base run. Strike, says the umpire what, says the Baseball, the sport was growing in popularity and teams were making more money and thus were spending more money on their uniforms. One of the things that was obviously a staple of the uniform was the hat. And so, in the 1930s, he started making both the home and away caps for the Cleveland Indians. This was most likely one of the earliest licensing deals that we see for a branded cap.
2: The 1940s were a little rough for baseball. The men were off at war fighting World War II, while the women were at home and became the main attraction for baseball. An All-American pastime, baseball, brings out the All-American Girl Baseball League for spring training at Alexandria, Virginia. Two teams are working out, the Fort Wayne Daisies and the
0: Racine Bells, getting in shape for an opening day doubleheader.
2: But the limitation was in the production of supplies for their uniforms. Cotton and wool had to be used to make Army uniforms, and so it was not only in short supply, but also very expensive. But there's one key innovation that we see come out of those constraints because supplies were so limited. Teams couldn't afford to buy all those custom-fitted caps. And so what do we see? We see the invention of the snapback cap.
1: When Rayne Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country. Or invent a talking pillow at and business eventually talked him into the pillow thing and backed by a reliable network the only network with built-in security controls sleep with rain was a hit take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com that's business.att.com Now, if you're not familiar with the snapback design, it's the design that has the snaps on the back so that it's adjustable so you can sell and manufacture one single hat that can fit various head sizes. So obviously this was very economical for teams to buy and continue to buy these hats in bulk because they needed to supply their players with the proper uniform. And the snapback was the innovation that made that possible. The snapback would later come in and out of style in the fashion world, but this innovation was simply brought out of necessity. So then in the 1950s, the war is over and supplies are back, and so teams are now buying baseball caps again. And so what we see, Coke's company, which is known as New Era, one of the largest hat manufacturers today, we see them... Inc. licensing deals with a multitude of Major League Baseball teams. We're talking the Brooklyn Dodgers, the Cincinnati Reds, the Cleveland Indians, the Detroit Tigers, and the list goes on and on. Things are looking up for Coke and New Era, and it's safe to say they have made the transition from high-end hat maker to baseball cap producer.
2: So now let's jump ahead to the 1970s. This is the decade where the baseball cap leaves the field and enters the hearts of America. That ball is going to be off the wall. Bounding away from Reggie Jackson. Kennedy will come to third. And he's in with a triple. So there's a couple of things that make this
1: really possible, and one of them, and probably the most important, is TV, where, where no longer do people have to travel to a baseball stadium in order to watch the game, but the games are now broadcast into homes across America, increasing the popularity and the viewership of each game, and so the baseball cap becomes a symbol that anyone can wear. They might not be able to comfortably walk around in the full jersey with the matching pants and the shirt, but the baseball cap is something that you can throw on with a t-shirt and still be expressing your individuality and yet your commitment to your favorite team.
2: And so while New Era caps had been sold to the general population, the popularity really exploded when they started doing mail order. They took out an ad in sports publications around 1979, And people were able to order the caps directly to their homes. And this was really the point where popularity went to a whole new level.
1: And at the same time, New Era had exclusive deals with 20 out of 24 of the major league teams at the time. So through this mail order system, they could sell just about any hat. ...that you would see your favorite player wearing on TV. In the 80s, the popularity of the baseball cap continued to grow... ...mainly as new use cases were found for it. AAA teams and international baseball teams were starting to emerge... ...and local fans wanted to wear those caps and support those local teams. And then you also had baseball caps being used in different sports now... ...such as golf and tennis... It almost became part of the uniform for some players. This helped expand the baseball cap industry where the exact same product that they were making for baseball and for baseball players could now be repurposed for multiple different verticals.
2: And now by the 1990s, the baseball cap was no longer synonymous only with players of baseball, but it's really a universal fashion piece that almost everyone in America owned at least one. And when you look at a company like New Era, they really saw market. They saw that they had a unique advantage and they went after that. And then they just doubled down on making the best product in that market. And the other opportunities just came up around them.
1: So when we look at the history of the baseball cap and New Era's involvement in the history and the development of the baseball cap, there's one thing from a product or product manager's perspective that really stands out. And that's that they chose to perfect the baseball cap. They didn't grow through different hats and different verticals. What they grew through was partnerships and licensing of that cap. And I think as product people, as people that are either managing or making product decisions, it's such an important story to keep in mind that we can grow through doing and solving one problem really, really well. And we can continually iterate on that problem. They changed the fabric. They would change the brim. But overall, it was still a baseball cap worn by baseball players and people that were enthusiastic about baseball until literally a 100 years later when it became more of a fashion piece. But it always solved that one problem at its core and other people came and utilized it for their own purpose but that wasn't manufactured by new era it wasn't a market that they pursued that market came to them because they made the best product and so it's not about the features it's about the solution and that's what they focused on and that's what we as product people need to focus on if you take away one thing from this story in this series i hope that's it
2: That's what we're going to be diving into in this whole series, the art of product management and how you can successfully become a great product manager or enable great product management. So we're going to continue diving into some of these topics right after a quick word from our sponsor.
1: So when we're talking about product management, one of the the toughest things that I've seen is what is Product management. And so I talked to Ben Foster. He is a longtime product manager. He started at eBay. He was then at Opower. We're going to hear from him a lot in this series. We worked very closely with him on putting together some of the content. He's now an advisor for startups. And if you'd like to get in touch with him, I'll have his information at the end of the show. But right now, I asked him, how does he define a product manager?
0: Well, to me, product management is making the product successful in the market, period.
1: Which seems pretty straightforward, but you'll notice that it means making it successful in the market. It's not just about delivering assets that the team is looking for. It's actually about finding the opportunities and leveraging the product, knowing what to build, when to build, and how to build it in order to be successful in the marketplace. So we think of people kind of sitting back and taking orders from a ceo from sales from marketing and just building features but what you actually are as a product manager is you should be in the market you should be talking to customers you should understand their pain points you should have that empathy for them And in this series, we're going to cover techniques for all of that. And then you should be talking to your team. So you're not just building what sales is asking for, but you should be taking the input from sales, what they're seeing on the front line, from marketing, what their initiatives are and what feedback they're collecting from social and their different channels and what the vision is, which comes from the CEO. So we're going to look at product and product management from all these different angles.
2: It's good to note that even if you don't have a product manager, someone is playing that role at your company, be it the CEO or the CTO. And it's important to recognize who is playing that role. And eventually we'll give you some advice on when you need to hire a dedicated person. And it's not always right away, but there will come a point where someone should really be focused on this one problem. And we'll
1: get there in just a little bit. And so I asked Ben, in his opinion, what makes a good product manager?
0: I would say a good product manager is someone who understands what their product is really all about, somebody who is very familiar with their customer and what the problems are that their customer is facing, uh, and somebody who can articulate those within the organization to all the different stakeholders that are, uh, that are involved, whether that's engineers in the form of requirements or whether that's uh, the story that marketing needs to go tell or the pitch that sales needs to go provide. Um, that they can kind of consolidate all that and have the right answers really about what those priorities need to be to drive their product forward. That's what a good product manager does.
1: Now, how about a great product
0: manager? I would say a great product manager does a number of things differently than a good product manager. And, you know, it's amazing how much more you have to be able to do to be that little bit better. Um, And, first thing that would come to mind would be, uh, as Adam Nash would have put it, uh, that you know what game is being played and that you know how to keep score. In other words, you have this great metrics orientation around your product. You understand exactly what those metrics are that are going to drive the business forward and you can back into what metrics uh, you can capture about how users are actually using your product to be successful themselves and thus how to make your product successful. I think that there's also this clearly communicated vision, this strategy that you can provide to the rest of your organization that makes it exciting for them. So exciting that you don't have all these other stakeholders asking you, hey, can we add this to the product? Can we tweak this? Can we change that? You know, you're always going to get some of those kinds of requests, but primarily people are just really excited about the direction that you're already going and they don't want to distract you from that. A great product manager will have Hold that vision and communicated that to the rest of the organization. I think they know the strengths and the weaknesses of their product. They know exactly what's really great about it and what they need to go fix. Um, and then they consistently deliver. You know, every single time that there's a plan that they have of where they're going to take their product, they're, they they just make it happen. You know, if in six months we're going to have a mobile app, then they have a mobile app in five. You know, they find a way to go make that happen despite all the little things that get in the way that nobody else really needs to know about because the product manager finds a way to get them addressed and dealt with along the way
1: so whether you have a dedicated product manager or your team is kind of sharing the role this is happening on your team for better or worse today so this series is all about how do you deliver the right product to the market so whether you're a ceo or you are that dedicated product manager this series is for you
2: And next week, we're going to dive into Jobs to be Done, which is one of my favorite frameworks for figuring out what problem we're really solving for our customers and what the best solution for them is.
1: And if you're looking for some more podcasting content, my good friend Akash has just released his first podcast, Live the Questions. It features yours truly. But what I really like about it is he attempts to go beyond business and talk about the person, get to the heart of who people are behind these companies and and projects in tech. And so he's a really heartfelt interviewer. And I love listening to him and the the thoughtful questions that he asks. So I want to give you a quick preview uh, from his episode with me, uh, which is out now. You can find it on SoundCloud and it should be on iTunes soon. You know, Steve Jobs couldn't build Apple without, you know, the thousand people that worked there with him um he just took all the he just got all the credit I don't know if he took all the credit but he got all the credit um you know but but he approved the designs he didn't make the designs um he you know he he influenced the design he pushed people to be their best which is great but there's other people involved in that story that we'll never know um yeah. Yeah. and and because of that we don't uh, we don't allow people to to feel proud in those positions where they're making a huge Impact, uh, but maybe they're not the one who gets all of the credit. So we consolidate all of the credit and all of the money at the top, um, and and that's what everyone is striving for. So everyone wants to be this egomaniac leader who gets everything, all the money, all the credit. Um, but yet it takes it takes an army to actually achieve that. And and so I don't know. You know, I, I don't have any answers, but I do think the way that we tell stories. Um, is important and, and the way that we we communicate what's happening um, and giving a different voice to that that's important um, and stories are the only way that we could ever change it so that's live the questions out now on soundcloud and itunes Huge Thanks to our sponsors today, Brand Bucket. Get your next name, your domain name, and your logo all in one location the same way that companies like Mattermark have. The options are phenomenal. So go to brandbucket.com forward slash rocket ship and charge me the simplest way to set up your subscription billing ChargeBee making developers heroes. Go to chargebee.com forward slash rocketship and sign up for free. We're going to hear a lot more from Ben Foster in the upcoming episodes, but if you'd like to get in touch with him, go to foster innovation.com and shoot him an email. He's actively looking for teams to help advise, and he'd love to talk to you. So, there, that's an open invitation. If you haven't yet subscribed to the show, so important that you subscribe. It helps us and it helps you never miss a show. We're going to spend the next five weeks talking about product, where if you've made it this far, I know it'll be beneficial for you. You can follow us on Twitter at RocketshipFM. You can follow me at Michael Saka and Joel at Joel Goldman. We'll see you right back here on Sunday for our Sunday interview all about product.